And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our strength and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we don't hear your voice, O God, we invite you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of the heart. Amen. Today we begin a new series uh, in the life of the church, although we have not started a new season in the church's life just yet. Let me explain that a little bit, especially for those of us who may not have grown up in a liturgical tradition or a traditional United Methodist Church like this one. Every Sunday you will see in the sanctuary these pyramids hanging here that signify, uh, and that signify which season we're in or what we're going to be celebrating today. And we are in a season where green is the appointed color, the green representing growth and maturity, um, just like the beautiful flowers in front of it. And we, and during this season has been lasting for five or six months. It started after the day of Pentecost. And this is a season on the church calendar where we've been studying God's word, focused on learning from God's word. We do that all year long, but this is the season where especially we're trying to learn more, to grow more. And we're reaching the end of that season. On December 1st, you're going to see the colors change to purple, signifying the beginning of Advent, which is preparation for the uh, coming of the Christ child. And uh, so we are here at the end of a season. And at the end of a certain, uh, when we come to an end of a season, whether it's the season of the church or different seasons in our lives, Paul's words are especially powerful for us because these are his last words. The past few weeks we've been in 2 Timothy and we've said, as we've said over and over again, Paul is looking at the end of his life. He's got maybe a year, probably just months to live, and he wants to tell the church what matters most. And he's doing so so through his friend and church leader named Timothy. And in verses 6 through 8, we hear these words that many of us have heard before. Some of us may have even seen them on tombstones before because they do so well summarize what happens when we reach an ending. Let's look at these words again. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. One of the reasons that these three verses are so important for us when we're at the end of one season and the beginning of another, whether it's in the church calendar or, a se- or seasons of our lives, is that Paul is so very balanced here. Because look, in verse 6, he's talking about his present reality. His present reality is that his life on earth is about to end. And yet he's saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm already being poured out as a libation. My, I, have, I am giving all that I am to the glory of God Almighty. I'm giving all of my life over. The time of my departure has come. Paul lives in the reality of today. But then he does that by giving thanks for what has already been. In verse 7, he talks about, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept 
the faith. He's looking back with thankfulness for God's faithfulness to him. And then in verse 8, he's looking toward the future of the glorious coming of Jesus and what is in store for him and for all who believe. So what you see happening here is Paul is constantly planning for the future of the church while maintaining his footing in the present and his thankfulness for the past. Focused on the future, but but fully rooted in the present and thankful for what has been. When we are in these times of transition in our lives, when we're at the end of one season and the beginning of another, it's easy to get stuck in past, present, or future. It's easy to get stuck in what could have been, what might have been, what we could have done differently. Paul doesn't do that. He said, you know what? I wasn't perfect, but I fought a good fight. I completed this race. Notice that Paul didn't say, I won the race. He says, I finished the race. I completed it. Anybody in here who has ever run a marathon or a half marathon or a 5K or for me just the fun run that I did back in elementary school knows that sometimes all you want to do is just finish the race. doesn't matter about winning. You just want to get it done. And Paul is saying, I'm thankful for what has been. And he also says, but I am excited about what is to come. And I have lived my life around that. Paul is reminding us here to live in that place of balance. Don't get too far off in getting caught in the past and getting too caught in the humdrum of every day, just making ends meet, living from paycheck to paycheck. Don't get uh, discouraged living in the present. But also don't get too caught up worried about the future. He's telling his church, telling the church of then and the church of today for you and me to stay balanced, to stay in this place of balance, even when everything seems to be changing. Give thanks for the past, live in the present, and focus on the future. And it is in that place of focusing on the future that Paul invites us into a season that is not on the church calendar, but it is on this church's calendar. For these next four weeks, beginning today and culminating on November 17th, we are focusing on the, uh, on, the, on the principle of stewardship. And this is something we do every year where we talk about and we, for, and, we, and we frame our worship around and our communication and so much in the life of the church around planning for a new year. Because not only are we starting a new year in December on the church calendar, on January 1st, on January 1st we have a... <laughs> On January 1st, we have a new budget calendar. We have new leaders stepping into uh, leadership. There's all this newness that happens in January for our fiscal year as well. And Paul sets up before us here a model of planning for the future while giving thanks and taking action for what we can do right now. And our theme for this year in this, in the, in this four-week series is about climbing the mountain of God together. Climbing together. If any of us have ever been on a mountain climbing trip before, you know that it's something you can't just decide. Well, you can decide, but you may regret it. Decide, I'm just going to climb this mountain one day. And anyone who's ever thought about that, if you just start up walking off the mountain with no water, no food, no phone, no map, no anything. I know the Boy Scouts are in the room are thinking, no, that would not work very well at all. You have to prepare. You have to plan if the trip is going to be successful and if you're going to be able to do everything that you want to. And when we go on a mountain climb, especially when it's for multiple days, and we're looking at the mountain of 2020 here at First United Methodist Church, which is many a day before us, we have to do some planning and think not only about climbing 
climbing the mountain together, but you also have to think about descending the mountain as well. Anyone who goes on a mountain climbing trip not only has to plan how do you get to the top, but you also have to think about how do we come back down. We have to plan for the ascent as well as the descent. And in order to do that, sometimes that means getting rid of things that we don't need or don't want. I know I went, on, I went hiking a few years ago, just a day trip hiking, and my backpack was so heavy with things that I thought I would need on that trip that by the time I got back, I realized I didn't need half of the stuff in that backpack. I could have left it behind, and I had sore shoulders to go with the sore feet from climbing. And that's what happens often when we're preparing for something. It's not only thinking about what we need for the future, it's also thinking about what we can give up, what we can leave behind, what is weighing us down. Paul takes great delight. He begins today talking not about ascending to God's glory in heaven. Instead, he says first, I must think about descending so that I can be raised with him to eternal life. Paul is more focused on the humility of descent than he is of the glory of the ascent to God's glory and that, that is awaiting him. If we're going to climb this mountain together, friends, we, it is easier for us to do it together and to plan together and to make decisions together. And as we give, and, and that means sometimes sacrificing and giving up. And we'll be talking in the weeks to come about how we can give to this church and what that giving goes to and how we can order and plan for our giving in the new year. Just not just of our money, but also of our time, of our talents, and the gifts that we have that we can contribute to the betterment of this church. Because like Paul, we should always be thinking about what comes after us. Paul is focused, if you look on, in verse 17, on what is to come. The Lord stood by me. He gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul is isolated in prison. He's facing the end of his life. And what is he worried about? What is he thinking about? He's thinking about the gospel and the gospel being preached and the gospel changing lives and the gospel going around the world. Friends, we are called to preach the gospel, not just with our words and not just from a pulpit, but in our lives and in our conversations with each other. And that's how we build a future for this church. That is how we build a future in the king or a better future in the kingdom of God is indeed being a part of preaching that gospel and focusing on what is to come. And when we give to the church, we're doing exactly that. We're building for that better future for future generations. And as we begin this ascent towards 2020, we will have to make plans together, just like a mountain climb. We'll have to make preparations together, and all of us have something to contribute. And we're all called to think about how we can give and sacrifice of certain things in our lives. And this end of this season is a time for us to begin something new in the life of the church. And I look forward in the weeks ahead for us to talking more, for us, uh, and us talking more about how that will happen and what we can do to make that happen. But as we prepare, we first and foremost must think about what do I need to leave behind? Yes, we're talking about leaving behind a legacy, a good foundation for the generations to come after us in the church. But friends, if we're going to leave behind a good future for our church, we also need to leave behind 
the things that are keeping us from being all we can be today. It's easy to miss this in today's passage, but there is a very, very powerful lesson here where Paul is telling us about, uh, uh, Paul is telling us about the power of forgiving each other, to letting, of letting go of the offenses that weigh us down. And I invite you to look with me at that for just a moment in verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. This is likely Paul's second, uh, or more, more than second time in prison. And we know that um, he has had a defense and there were some people that were supposed to come and defend him and they didn't show up. Just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was abandoned. He was left alone. He was deserted right there with no, with no support. But notice what he says next. May it not be counted against them. May it not be counted against them. What he's saying there is, Father, forgive them. Father, I'm letting this go. Father, I'm not holding on to this. I'm not holding this grudge against these who have done me wrong, those who have left me and abandoned me. He's saying, Lord, I forgive this. I let it go. Back in Acts chapter 6, there was a man named Stephen, one of the early leaders of the church. And Stephen, uh, in preaching the gospel, in sharing the word, in declaring the word of God, lost his life. He became the mob, the, the angry mob around him became so enraged by what was happening, by the word being preached, that they attacked Stephen and they stoned him. And in doing so, they left, the, they left their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. And Saul was the leader of the persecutors of the church. And Stephen, even as he was dying, as he was looking into heaven, as he was looking into that next realm, he said, Father, do not hold this charge against them. Father, do not hold this charge against them. In other words, Stephen prayed for Saul the same thing that Paul is praying in this passage. Paul was, the resist- Paul was actually first name Saul. He was the one that ordered the death of Stephen. He was the one who led that, and Stephen forgave him. Paul, at the end of his life, forgave those who had done him wrong. He let it go. He released it. Now, did Saul ever know that Stephen forgave him? Did these who abandoned Paul know that he ever forgave them? That really doesn't matter What matters is that they forgave. They let it go. They gave up the offense. And friends, the church would not, could not have grown and become what it is if at any point that harboring of unforgiveness had happened. Just think if Stephen had not said in his last moments, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. What if Jesus had not said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We must extend forgiveness without worrying about what the other person is going to think of it. We are, if they're even going to hear about it, forgiveness is up to us. And if we are going to be the church, if we are going to grow as the church, if we are going to be the body of Christ we're called to be, we've got to let it go. We've got to release it. Did you see the story a few weeks ago in the news in Dallas, Texas about the, um, young, about the young man who was killed by an off-duty police officer? And at the sentencing, she was sentenced, um, uh, sentenced to prison. And at the sentencing, this young man's brother took the stand and publicly forgave her and said, I don't hate you. He said, I don't even really want you to go to jail, but I forgive you. And he looked at the judge and he said, 
may I please give her a hug? Is there any way that I can give her a hug? And the judge allowed it, and he embraced his brother's murderer. He embraced the one who had taken so much from him and extended forgiveness. Friends, that is the model that Christ has set before us as well. He has forgiven us. So why are we holding on to the things that so easily hold us back by simply harboring resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness? We can be better if we forgive each other. And this is the challenge I want to issue to you over this next week. Yes, we want you to be thinking over these four weeks of how you want to commit to the church in 2020, how you want to commit your giving, how you want to commit uh, of your tithes and offerings, how you want to commit the giving of your talents, how you want to commit your time to the church. We are going to talk about all of those things and do be thinking about and planning for and looking towards that. But before you even begin to think about answering that question, I invite you to go into this week and ask the Holy Spirit What do you need to leave behind before the mountain climb? And by leave behind, who do you need to forgive? What of what do you need to let go? What do you need to leave behind? What does the Holy Spirit show you? And it may be yourself that you need to forgive. It may not be another person. It may be ourselves that we need to forgive. But stop and think about that and sit with it and listen For what the Holy Spirit would say. And then after being in that place of repentance and of forgiveness. Let's all begin asking ourselves. What kind of legacy can I leave behind by what I give? First we forgive. And then we know what we can give for. Let's begin this ascent together friends. In the spirit of Paul. Thankful for the past. Rooted in the present. Meeting its needs with an eye ever on the future of the glory of the ascent that we will all experience when we come into the presence of God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, who lives and reigns with the Son, our Savior Jesus, and the blessed Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.